Hey, this is Matthew Krauss, and you're listening to another episode of the podcast, Working Drummer. Today, I get a chance to sit down and talk to Trey Gray. Since 1994, Trey has built a strong reputation in Nashville as a solid and dynamic drummer, working with many artists including Faith Hill, Jewel, Brooks and Dunn, Reba McIntyre, as well as Ronnie Dunn as a solo artist. In 2003, Trey was diagnosed with Huntington's disease. Despite the disease's hallmark symptoms of uncontrolled movement of the upper body, Trey continues to work as a drummer for many of these artists, as well as write and produce in the studio. To find out more about this podcast and other podcasts, go to workingdrummer.net. You can follow us on Twitter at working underscore drummer, also on Instagram. You can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe, and new episodes of the podcast will be sent to your smart device every week. If you like what you hear, you can leave us a review and rate the podcast. We've just started a new YouTube channel. You can find it under Working Drummer Podcast. So now here is Trey Gray. I'm I'm flattered as how you asked me to do this. You kidding me, man? This is freaking awesome. No, no, no. I, I... Yes, Matt. I will take a cappuccino. Thank you. <laughs> Can I? Am I supposed to do it with my hands? Do I? Does that, does that look like a cappuccino? Yeah. Oh, do I, oh, this is. Oh, I drink this. This. It looks like a microphone. It's the stamper. Ooh, it's the stamper. stamper. Seriously, what are these, man? These are killer. I'm borrowing these mics from my good friend Colin Winery. Oh, how's he doing, man? He's good, man. Are these? We work a lot together, and uh, I can't fucking see because my after I turned forty, my eyes like went to. I know. I remember my readers. How old are you? Are you freaking what? Thirty-five? Yeah. God bless you. I'm forty-four, man. I didn't realize we were that close in age. Yeah, yeah. Did this happen to you too? Did you just all of a sudden have to wear? Well, I, I denied it for years. I thought, no, no, this my my, you know, my sight is fine. And then a friend of mine said, yeah, right when I hit your age, my sight started going. And I said, yeah, I, I think I'm okay. And then I'm in the hotel room and I'm trying to copy down the the information on the phone, the address, and I write the address down wrong. And it was that day he told me, and I I just you know. Raised my fist in anger. Pete! Oh! Dude, it happened to me at a hotel, too, checking in. Yeah. I looked it, down, I'm like, and Gary Morris behind me, taps me on the shoulder and goes, and I went, all right. <laughs> and he gave me those glasses. <laughs> what? Yeah. I still have them. Every interview, I swear to you, every single interview has this aha moment. This like, oh my gosh, yes. I, I've been doing this for a long... I've been playing drums for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But everybody has this awesome insight that is unique to them. And it, well, don't say that. There's a lot of pressure, man. That's a lot of pressure, man. Okay, thanks, man. Good why to see you. Why would you... Oh, so that's it. <laughs> is that the aha moment? That was it for this one. <laughs> I have nothing um, worth something to say. That was amazing. See, I thought that Trey Gray would have lots to yeah, say. yeah. But it turns out he doesn't. Not at all. Well, that was amazing. Yeah. That was my aha moment. All right. Well, we'll just pad the rest of this with something. <laughs> um, how are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for thanks for asking. How are you? Um, Your lovely family. Yeah, big we took and, some extra time to uh, get caught up with them, and and I think you're freaking. I'm telling you, I think your wife is getting taller. I'm ta- she's. I mean, she, I don't know why she seems so little to me. You know what? I think she's established herself, and she is. An awesome woman, 
And, she, and you're an awesome guy. You guys have done great together. That's well, a cool thing. she just she carries a lot of pride with her work and man, what she does, man. and I'm very proud of her. And she's a, a she kind of picks up the slack in our family as far as being a great example and a humanitarian That's for cool. for my kids. You know, somebody that doesn't know she works for Open Table Nashville, which helps find housing for homeless people. In a nutshell, which so, is awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome. Great. It's been great. Um, so uh, one thing I didn't know is that you're not in Nashville. You've you've moved back. Nah, home, I um, yeah, I, guess, I uh, which isn't um, very far away. No, no, no. Uh, in 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 um, let me just think. In, in we're in are we in 2015 now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So in two, last year, 2014, my mom passed in February, um, and then my dad died in May. So mm. well, for, well, first actually, that's this is. Let's go back a few months before that, uh, 2013. I was actually home in South Bend with my dad, um, and uh, Gary had called me and told me Tommy had passed. Yeah, right. Gary Forkham. Uh, oh called yeah, out and, Tommy uh, Wells. Well, it was like that was crazy. So that happened. Um, I, I uh, you know, that happened. And then my mom was in and out of ICU in the nursing home, the Huntington's home she was in in Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, and uh, she finally succumbed in, in, in February, and then my dad died in May. So it was, it was I just, I left my house down here, and I told some friends, grab whatever you want. I got a drum set. I had a picture of my family, my kids, and me together, and a couple of sets of clothes, and I just left. <laughs> and I took a year to kind of, um, I was still doing the Ronnie Dunn gig, and he called during that time, and I said no, you know, and I just, um, I think God led me there just to kind of find myself again, you know. Yeah. But that being said, I, you know, I, I, my two younger children are still here, so I'm here back and forth, you know, at least once a month, and then, yeah. you know, it's been a big blessing, you know, more than a curse. Um, yeah, did I get a little windy? Sorry. But. No, not at all. Not at all, man. I mean, do you f in what way has it been a good thing? Do you feel like you've been able to take a step back from from life and from the music business in a way to kind of just kind of reset? Yeah. I, yes. And I and you know me a long time, man. And um, it's kind of funny. Um, John Root, you know yeah. John Root. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm gone, and first off, I was really never that Nashville guy. I've been very fortunate to get some really wonderful work, you know, and I've been very blessed, you know that. I've had yeah, some great yeah, gigs, but yeah, I was yeah. never the hustle guy. I just did never did it. Not that I don't respect that, right. um, or not that I didn't want to do that. I'm, I know I come across as a douchey douche because I get so weird, but um, I'm actually a really kind of shy guy, hmm. and I, and not very confident. Most drummers, you know, we hide. We can hide behind our drums. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, this is funny too after every I mean I've been married and after every couple divorces you know I kept moving further away out of town and I kept feeling better about it and I think it would be it would show in my playing and what I was doing other than the Nashville thing mm -hmm. and then so then being totally away from it and being back at a place that I find so romantic in my love of life yeah it really I think I'm playing better than I ever have. Okay. So when I come back, it's like, yeah. it's a new, in, it's, it's inspiring. It's inspiring for me to be able to show and help kids up there 
know what I know, yeah. uh, which isn't a lot. But And I still keep getting calls, which is hilarious. Root goes, I'm going to, because I just did the, you know, I just did the Vegas thing with them and, and uh, Reba. And he goes, I'm going to leave town for a year and maybe Reba will call me. I'm like, well, dude, it's not, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> but I've been still, I mean, people still call me. Yeah. And then I've gotten to finally, I really like producing, man. And um, we still have our studio in Columbia here. But then I opened a Northern studio, too. Oh, really? And we're like doing, we're doing two or three records a month. Nice. And just indie records. You know, yeah. low, low budget. You know, five to ten grand, if that. Somewhere like 25. But it's it's really been great. Yeah. It's really been great. Well, I want to talk a little bit about um, that idea of being in a town where the music business is very much a big part of it you do i'm not saying that you don't have thick skin at all i'm not saying this you have to have thick skin to exist in in a somewhat daunting and repressive type of environment to maintain a certain amount of sanity to compete and maintain a positive attitude when things aren't always going your way. Right. And um, when you don't know what's going on six months from now, it can be very stressful. And when you have many responsibilities, whether it's a mortgage or responsibilities kids. With, with kids, what, whatever. things like that, as many of us do, not everybody, of course, but as many do as musicians in Nashville, it's one of the reasons why Nashville is a chosen location because of the ability to balance domestic life and professional life in the entertainment industry um it completely what, can makes you do this sense. every time you do entertainment industry i think that and by would be the industry i do mean the business um nice. that's a rob mcnally quote um <laughs> she <knows that's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, rob. <laughs> um it makes it makes a lot of sense that when you separate yourself from it there's a sense of peace, and especially when you go closer to home, uh, and it sounds like you had some. Yeah, it was no uh, reason to, to it, reset. And I think as we get older, and I, you can answer this too and attest to this. Um, I'm 35, man. Remember, that's, oh, that's what right, you said. and I'm 29. So uh, wow, <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> my bullshit factor is way down now. Yes, my, and my give a shit. Like when um, yes, I remember um. <sighs> Meaning, and this sounds really bad. Maybe I shouldn't say this. You're uh, in a safe place. I know, but <laughs> it, when something's bad or something's not right or something's not good now, yeah. I just say it. Uh, and I, Ronnie called me to do those, those George Strait Stadium shows, right? He did like six of them. And, he, and I said, I didn't want to go out under certain circumstances mm -hmm. if it involved some people who I didn't think were on a level professionally. And I told him that, you know, and it's, 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 I think after, after being back home and after losing my parents, which is heavy, I think, of course. Uh, losing anyone or doing anything or changing a job where it's heavy. And then all of a sudden you go, well, what's really important here? You know, I've done all the big stuff. I really can't, yeah, I, yeah. I've done it over and over again, you yeah, know, yeah. for a lot of years, man. Yeah. So I said, yeah, fuck it. I'm not doing it. You know, and it was a, you know. And, you know, you, it was really it was hard to say no to a money gig and everything. But why but, do you feel like you have to preface that with, this probably sounds bad, man. Because I, I because people, not nah, because 
people think that I'm a dick because I, uh, I've been very honest with everything my whole career in Nashville. Somebody asks how much, how much you get paid for this gig? I tell you, because I want you to know we don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars. We don't drive BMWs. We don't, it's not what people think it is. I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be a rock star. I did. I yeah. wanted to be in Kiss, man. And, you know, I thought chicks and money and a mansion. You just, I just thought that, you know. And when I moved to Nashville, I thought I'd get in a band. And, and I played in a couple rock bands in Nashville, but then started doing the whole country thing. And it yeah. was, you know, we started getting paid. And you start playing arenas. You're on private jets. Mm-hmm. You're traveling around the world. You're staying at Ritz-Carlton's, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, the perception is, and from my family and friends, we're like, yeah. Why do you why do you drive in a freaking Ford Escort or something? I'm like, because that's what I can't afford. Well, what do you mean that's what you can afford? Well, that's what I can't afford. I don't understand. I just saw you on the Grammys. I've seen you. Let- I've seen you. T- okay, you've seen the artist I play with. Right. Yeah, it was bad, but I'm an employee of their company. I'm not. It's yeah, not da 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 featuring Trey Gray, featuring Matt Krause. We're a paid employee. I'm not complaining or bitching. That's where people I think get. They think I'm complaining. I'm not. I could have yeah. walked away and been a manager at McDonald's and made more money. Right. That's that's the God's honest truth. And been around for my family a lot more. But it was our passion, yeah. you know, that makes you stay and do it. Yeah. So that's why when I say I when somebody calls me to go do a fucking stadium gig mm-hmm. for for good money. Yeah. And to walk it wasn't that I was too good for that or anything like that. It was just I had had enough. Mm-hmm. And if 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 I want to play with musicians that you know, I'm, I'm a good musician. Yeah. I'm not a bad musician. I'm not a great musician. I'm a good, solid musician. Mm-hmm. I want to play with good, solid musicians. Yeah. You know, I would love to play with greater musicians because I think that brings our game up. It elevates you, sure. And once you aren't as good, you learn what not to do. I've always said that. But at a certain time, if the people who are there that really aren't supposed to be there, that's kind of a slap in the face to me to what I've done all these years. Right. I hate to say that. Yeah. And so if I have a choice of... You know, walking away from that. I mean, you know, my first year back home. Well, you at, said that. You said if you have a choice. Yeah. And I think, I think first of all, you bottom do have line a is everybody has a choice. Thank you. You do. I'm sorry. I was I was born in Indianapolis, and then I moved uh, to the South Bend area when I was ten, and then moved here when I was nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I can, based on the math, I think you would have been 13. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you were saying in, in uh, 94 is when you started with Faith Hill? Yeah, but before that I did have, um, I worked, when I first came to town, I worked at uh, a cartage company because still back then, you know, it was a days of everybody was doing three-day sessions and, you know, there was, I, I worked for Nashville Cartage and Sound, NCS, SIR was huge. I mean, you couldn't go down Music Row, you know, the back alleys and, Barry Hill. I mean, there are trucks everywhere, right? Yeah. So it was very easy to get a job doing that. So I got a job doing that on weekends. And they were, they, and loved it, setting up Eddie Bears. And, and um, it was just, gosh, it was so much fun. Crooney, and it was just great. Did, um, you, were, did you get a chance to see those guys? I mean, did you? No. No. I mean, I mean yes, you kind of have to be out of the. Out yeah, of the that wasn't a thing. And that was one of the stipulations. I remember Jim saying to me, you know, don't. Nobody wants to hear that you're a drummer playing. If they ask you, what are you doing, that's great. But don't – and I've always been fortunate enough, and I tell the story a lot, but Gary Forkham, my first week in town, he goes, Gary, if you, for those of you who haven't been there, there's always drum stools set up, and there's always 
That's... somebody and they're hanging out. Yeah. And he goes, hang out. And you tell me at the end of the day what your perception was of these people. And it wasn't of how they were as people. That's not what I mean. But like who were the, who were the drummers and who were the people who were talking shit? Well, I was sitting there, dude, to do, and a guy would come, man, I got to hurry for that two o'clock, you know, dude, to do, I need, you know, well, I'm rocking today. I'm just so busy. And I'm like, oh, that to be, you know, I write it down, like, who I think that is. And then somebody else would come in and just go, hey, man, I need a coded ambassador. Grab it. See you, Gary. Thanks. Boom. I'm like, oh, that's got to be a weekend warrior guy, you know. That was totally opposite. Yes. It's like the biggest guys yes. were the guys who came in and didn't say anything about what they were doing. You know, they just came in for their typical stuff or yeah. were very sweet about it. And then you had these guys talking, and I thought they were the rock stars. And no, it was just the opposite. Yeah. And I learned a lot. So from that, I've always had people – I've always been good at listening to what people tell me to do, and I shut up. You can learn so much more by shutting up than you can by talking. Two ears, one mouth. Thank you. Bam. And so, friends, yes, I just – I sat there and I watched people. And since I never said anything or whatever, then they go um, – some, somebody had a friend at Pearl Drums, and they were hiring some stuff. I went and applied, got the job there, worked there for about a year and a half, and then I got a job with a guy on RCA Records, uh, Robert Ellis Oral. And back then, well, basically and still does, your buddies or whom you meet like on Broadway, I'd play in all those bands and stuff. Well, they became like a, I don't know, a tech for somebody. Okay, then they became a guitar, you know, road manager or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, then they would call you. Yeah. Especially because there was tons of B acts back then, dude, right? Everybody had a record deal in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So I got to on a bus for about eight months, and then the Nashville thing happens to where it's Christmas time. I'm like, oh, we're not working anymore. Oh, what? <laughs> right, right. Okay. But this is when I really need money. Yeah, hello, but I've been partying, man. I've been making, you know, 300 bucks a week. No more work, right? So that stopped in November. And I jumped on and did a Christmas tour with, uh, from that gig, the fiddle player. See how it all happens. Yeah, right. The fiddle player calls me and goes, can you leave tomorrow with this band from New Orleans? They were called Evangeline. It was four girls on Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville label. Oh. Very sweet girls. Mm-hmm. And it was a threesome act. So we one bus, three acts, girls included. There was a girl, Becky Williams from Utah, and there was a, and Wiley in the Wild West show. That was the other one. So Wiley's band played with Becky and Wiley, and then we played with Evangeline. And the funny thing was, they had Wild One, Face First Number One, as a single on their album, and it was totally different. Yeah. So I did that for a month. I stopped doing that. And then <laughs> the bass player for that was yeah. a guy named Mark Winchester, upright bass player, and was doing a radio tour, which I didn't know what it was, with a guy named David Ball, who had a song on, it was on Warner Brothers called Thinking Problem. So we went around to radio stations three a day, and I played a snare drum and brushes, and he played upright bass. Well, and that's that's kind of a, an interesting thing because most radio tours, it's it, there isn't a drummer. It's usually maybe the singer and a guitar player singing backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we that's did, yeah, it was great because he's yeah. David is very old school kind of Texas, uh-huh. and he wanted to have something going underneath him. Yeah, and it was a blast, and that was Warner Brothers. Well, all the execs from Warner were always out with us. And I never talked or anything. I just sat back and listened. So they went, hey, uh, what are you doing after this gig? And I go, I don't know. And they went, this girl named Faith Hill, she just has a single out. She's putting a band together for a tour. You should audition. I'll get you the number to the guy. Cool. And I didn't know anybody except the Warner people, which was great. Right. So I called Gary Carter, and um, he goes, we're booked up for auditions. But thanks. I'll keep your number if something were to come up ever. Thanks. So I went on Kept doing stuff with David. 
Um, and then two weeks later, he calls me and goes, we're doing another round of auditions. Would you like to come in? Well, I'm like, yeah, when is it? And he said, whatever, whatever time it was. And, I, and it was the only thing I had booked that week was uh. a stupid, silly, like fake video TV show with Dave, and I'm, which is money to me. And I right, can't, right. dude, you know. It's your gig. Yeah, we're making a hundred bucks. I got to go make a hundred bucks. I can't just, you know. And I go, you're not going to believe this. No, I can't come in and audition then because I have this thing. He goes, well, I'll just swap you for something else. And I went, oh, well, that was nice. And then boom, that's it, baby. Oh, you want to know after that? <laughs> that's it. Thanks, Trey. Good night. Yes, uh, thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, I did a few more well, times. So, I mean, so uh, yeah, but I mean, so yeah. that that turned into five. Oh, years, gosh, no, it turned into 94 to 2000. And then I did some stuff in 2001. Okay. I, su- I got to sub for Vinny. Ooh, that was fun. Oh, yeah, wow, it was great. It's fun. That's yeah. Fun. But it was no, it was, it was crazy because, again, it was that time where it was that resurgence of the Nashville. Like it is now, you know, right now. And, yeah, and yeah, rec- yeah. people were selling. I mean, Faith it was sold. Now it's up to like 36 million records, I think she sold. So she sold a lot of records, man. Yeah, that was a huge period. Yeah. Her, and it just was boom. It was immediate. And then, and then you do all the TV stuff, mm-hmm. the big TV stuff. And then, I mean, then people see you, and that's how you get other work. You right. know, that's how I always got my work. Because it was a, that turned into a gig that gave you some visibility. Absolutely. And yeah. so um, you can kind of hang your hat on that and say, "This is kind of help." We were, when I was talking to uh, uh, Tim Horsley, he's like, "I was like, you know, the Keith gig was wow. the gig that helped establish him." Yeah. And people, and he had a visual. And an audible presence that then people could hear him and people could see you and hear you. And although before I knew you were playing with Faith, um, we met. And oh, yeah. so I got to know you more personally then. But then to see you play and have the opportunity to just turn the TV on and say, oh, okay, I get it. Now I get it. Yeah, awesome. Wow, he's great. That's that fine. Really oh, good, thanks. You know? And speaking of Tim, man, it just. Yeah, what a, like we were talking earlier, what a groove. I mean, one of my favorites, man. Yeah. yeah. And even, and I even liked him. I liked him with Gary because we got to play with Gary so much. Because mm-hmm. um, I could sit like kind of like next to him and watch him, mm-hmm. and it was awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would because we did a lot of shows with him with Brooks and yeah. Dunn, and I would just sit back and go, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> and they're like, Try, "Make that feel bad. Like, if I throw something at you, will you will you mess up or something?" Right, it's just right. this feel is incredible, incredible. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is, I think when you do tours, when there's multiple acts, it's you can sit side stage, and and uh, the hang factor and the listening factor has always been so good. And that's especially among drummers, right? I know, I know. It can't be said enough. It's really it's always, a, always a great thing. I wish, I wish we could explain it, and it's hard to explain. No, I, I, I think I'm, I'm working on some sort of a, a blog or something to write about. Like, what is this thing where we balance between? This healthy competition and this, uh, you know, you think there's competition? You think there's competition? I think there is within the drumming community. Yeah, I think there is. I, see, I don't think there is. See, I don't see that. I don't. But I mean, but I'd rather you go do a gig than me. To be quite honest with you, I, it makes me happy, it makes me proud. Well, you know, that I know you, and I can come see you and make fun. But I, <laughs> but I'm not using competition in a negative way. Like I, you know, I'm going to take this away from you, or I'm going to keep this from you, or Whatever it is, there is a competition, and it's come up many times where, when you're say at an audition and your buddies are there, and say one of your buddies gets the audition, you're patting him on the back, and you're like, "Man, good for you! That's awesome!" Oh yeah, it's healthy competition. Oh, I don't mean it saying. in the, but it's like 
uh, I think we have competition. I'm not talking about competition amongst ourselves because it's like I want to spend time. I want to get better. I want to try and grow as a musician constantly uh, for the rest of my life. But I think that a lot of times we watch and we learn so much from other people. But when you go to an audition, uh, I don't know, man. I think there is, in, in, the, in the most healthiest terms, there is competition from my point of view. You know, but I think, but it's a very healthy thing. It's not a divisive thing. I think it can be, and I think there are times that uh, players do take it to the extremes and make it very negative. But, um, but I think overall, in general, it is healthy. You know, which is which is beautiful. You don't believe me, do you? I don't believe you. <laughs> okay. No. Agree to disagree. No. No. I mean, no. You're you're definitely brighter than I am. I just. No, it's just because of the lighting. Yeah, it's true. Uh, your makeup looks better than mine. <laughs> um, well, my wife did. No, oh, you're so mean. This is not. This. I love. No, I do actually agree with you. That's really. You said it. That's a really good way to think about that. I never thought about it like that. I guess I don't know. You, you know what? You can disagree with me, Trey. You can. Well, I, I think that. I think this. <laughs> I think that. You know, I want you to disagree with it. Come on, man. No, I, I think that it's, I, I think that. Explain your reasoning for what. No, I want you to take the point and say there is not competition. Okay, what I mean is this. Yeah. Here's what I mean about okay. it. Amongst the people who I hang out with, I, I yes, I've seen the guys. I've met the guys. I've heard the guys talk shit about me and smack. And then I, I've, like, I've walked around the corner and they'd be sitting there going, oh, 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 we were just, you know. Yeah. Dude, I'm not stupid. I get it. I understand. I can't. I understand all that. Trust me. I understand the mechanics of a drum set. I understand that. Oh gosh, I'm going to tell the story, and maybe I shouldn't, but I was very fortunate. Kitchen Ronnie wanted me to go to Vegas to do this residency that they just did to get back together with Reba, but they only wanted to use one band. So they, they had 10 spots open. Okay, we all naturally thought they would use Reba's band. Reba's on tour. It's a great fucking band. Right? Mm -hmm. I've known those guys for freaking ever. Toured with them in and out of tours. Well, I get a call going, well, we're taking you and Charlie Crow, our guitar player, and Jimmy Stewart, our fiddle player. I'm like, I go, oh, so you mean there'll be two drum sets on stage, you know, and then I'll come out and do 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 do. And I'm, I'm like, that's great. That's what a great idea. And they went, well, no, you're gonna do Reba too. And I said, okay. And then they said, and there's some solo shows that you'll be doing in between. And I went, no, no, no. I said, why don't I just do the Vegas stuff and then have Tommy do the solo shows? That way everybody's happy, blah, blah, blah. No, they just want one guy, whatever. Okay. Hmm. So I get, the, I get the rehearsal tapes. Not tapes. Sorry, guys. I'm aging myself. The CDs, you know, the, or the Dropbox files of the sessions of whatever. Right. With just the drums and the page, you know, whatever, whatever crap that is. Anyway, which is very funny. Sorry, man. Learn a freaking song, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is funny to me. But, you know, and, and Tommy is a motherfucker. He's playing stuff. He's great. He's great, you know, and, and, and the records are great. And Tommy's live playing. He even elevates it even more, and it's great. And Reba's used to those types of drummers. Mm -hmm. I'm the epitome of not that. You know, I you know I don't even you know I don't even like to use a rack tom if I don't have to, so so I got this new kit, like a big ass kit, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen. Oh yeah, man! I was mm. even Ronnie walked in and went, mm. you know, what the fuck are you doing? I went, I I got a raise. Reba gave me some money. You know, no, I I did say that, and <laughs> Ronnie didn't like that. That wasn't funny. But um, <laughs> so and I was playing these songs more not as like Tommy would, but still like the records. I still was doing some of the fills. But Tommy's, and then 
one day, it's out of the blue, I did one of Tommy's licks. The best I could, Tommy, I didn't do it any justice, but I did this like, so could you ask, could you ask, could you ask, could you ask? And like, they all looked at me and I just went, I can do it, I just choose not to. And not because it's wrong for that song, that's not what I mean, it's just not in my heart. And I would rather, I want somebody to be, even a kid, and a kid was in Vegas, it's another story, but I want somebody, hopefully, because this is what inspired me, to somebody to watch me and go, gosh, I feel him playing. Mm. It's not that I hear him playing, I feel him. I feel his love for that song right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want, and I want the artist to know that you're getting all of me. I'm leaving it all right here. I'm not, I'm not calling this in. I yeah. will never call it in. And if, if it becomes that, yeah. then I'm walking away from it. I don't care if I'm playing at Tootsie's or in your basement here, I'm leaving it right here. You know, this yeah. is all I got. Yeah. Good or bad, you know, it's me. And, and I hope that, you know, is what I do rather than, and not to say in those guys who are doing all that stuff, that's not a part of them because it is. And it's amazing. Um, but, but if it's not a part of you, you can, I think people can see that. I think yeah. they feel it. And I think, and I'm not, and I, and I come and I see some new bands on tour and stuff and I sit and they're so good and the, the kids are so fucking good, man. Yeah. You know how good they are. Oh, Their hands are just incredible. I mean, and the stuff they're doing. But I go, well, I just, I'd rather go look at Charlie Watts right now, kind of just because I know that that's what he's given us all. And they may be giving all their all, but they're also, I don't know if, I just don't feel it in their heart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. For the type of stuff that's going on. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Do you think? I'm sorry, you, I got off tangent there, but not at all. Do you think when you were that age, you could put it out all on the table? Do you think you had? No, it took. You know what? That's a good question. You know what it took? It took. Um, Getting your heart broken a few times. Yeah, and in this town, absolutely. Uh, I think that when I came to town, I, and I, I, I bought a pearl kit on a pearl rack. Like the 10, 12, you know, the 14, you know, two crashes over here, China, a splash, you know, ride some bullet pie, you know, 13 KZs. Remember those? I mean, I had the piccolo snare, you know, the Nashville kind of rig. And I, I mean, I think I was stiff and it was just because I was always thinking about this stuff. Yeah. And then finally, Lou Toomey, dear guitar player friend of mine who played with me with Faith and Brooks and Dunn. So we played together 20 years. Um, um, Faith was getting ready to take a year off and uh, to have a baby. And he goes, stop, stop playing like all that. Like, like the, like, <laughs> and I go, I go, and I kind of got offended. Like, what, what do you mean? Man? Am I, am I, stop playing what? And he goes, is this really you? you? You know, we talk about music all the time. We talk about our past, you know, we're on a bus, you know, we're listening to cassette tapes and VHS and CDs and we didn't have satellite rolling then, you know, yeah. you, you talk about all this music and you're, you're playing like, you're not playing like that. What do you like? And I go, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to lose my gig. He goes, fucking start playing like you would play. And mm-hmm. I, and wait, and I don't mean that by not doing the song. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I stripped all that sh- shit away. Yeah. I played the drums I wanted to play. Yeah. And wow, it was funny. I just felt my groove got better. My pocket got better. At what point in the, in, in your time with Faith was this? How long had Four you years playing? in. So there's some Faith. No pun intended. Oh, oh, that's good. I wouldn't even th- see. You're so bright, man. Dang no, it, you're in your. That felt that that was accident. Uh, that she and the band had in you already. I mean, you could get away oh. with a lot, don't you think? But at the same time, I'm not taking anything away from the idea that you're going to come in and you're going to take 
the drums that you need to express yourself for who you are and the way, the kind of player you are and the personality that you want to emote. I think everybody should do that at the audition, on the gig. You know what I mean? That's so a that great the, point. So that the person's like, this is the guy. Because when you lay it out on the table and you play the way you want to play, I don't know. It's, this is an ongoing discussion. I wouldn't say debate. I think it's a discussion because I think there are certain gigs where you really have to be a chameleon and you have to play the gig. Absolutely. But when the opportunity and God presents, bless those guys, by the way, oh, and, and they do it to where it does feel like it's in there. It's like they were born to play every type of thing they're doing. Right. That's right. incredible, dude. Oh, oh it, totally, totally. The and the that's that's, a, that's another that's other, otherworldly kind of thing. Uh, and 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 this has come up many times where when you play the way you play, when you are your own, when you're true to yourself is when you sound best. Oh, that's great. If I try and sound like Greg Morrow, it's going to be not only a weak Greg Morrow, extremely weak Greg yeah. Morrow, it's going to be a weak Matthew Krause. Right. When I play like me, it's the best I sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the setup and the cymbals and the snare drum that I want to use. That being said, again, this is why this discussion is ongoing. I can't always do that as a professional working drummer that plays the hired gun, you know, True. that plays those roles. If I have my band, if you know, or if you're in the Trey Gray experience. And let me just interject real quickly. And I'll only do this, I'll interject because you know my head, my mind, I have to say it or I'll forget it. Please. Okay, but wait a minute. So I get that. And I thought about that too. And I just did that recently. I, 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 I reverted back to um, trying to please somebody, like thinking what they would want to see and hear from something, the Reba thing. So I brought this big ass kid in. Right. Um, when was this? The, six weeks ago. Um, eight weeks ago. And we just got done two weeks ago. So yeah, about two months ago, two and a okay. half months ago. Um, and it was funny because every day I would come in and I would get rid of another thing. And then when I was back to my normal is when I think she even turned around and was like, yeah, you know, whatever. So I, it, what was that? It's, I, I don't think artists are the smartest people sometimes. Okay. And I think they listen with their eyes. Okay. As do a lot of people. And so why wouldn't you be yourself no matter what? Even if you're a hired gun, you know what I'm saying? Well, this is me. Or give them that precursor. Look, I'm, this is how I play. I'm going to make it sound great and feel great for you. Yeah. Um, but you're going to turn around and it's going to be something you ain't ever really kind of experienced mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Right? So what about that? Give me some feedback on that one. You know what I'm saying? So you said to where we have to almost kind of fit in this chameleon mode, right? Well, right. I mean, there, or did I, think I misunderstand you? Did I no, misunderstand no, 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 no. I think you're right. I think there's sometimes. Oh, wait. So my point is, sorry, so sorry. Yeah. So blow them away with what you, with that. Like right. go. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I. Maybe you, I was. They they weren't prepared for. They have a perception of what they think they want and what they think they need. And if you bring something in, you elevate it as a professional and as an expert at your instrument. Every time I'm at freaking Forks, when I come home, I always sit down there, right? And, you know, everybody's playing cajones now, okay? I can't fucking stand cajones, okay? If you're a Latin player or whatever, I get it. If yeah. you're a drummer, I'm not, I'm not a percussionist, okay? Yeah. I go home, and this guy up north 
calls me and he goes, can you come sub for this gig? And I go, yeah, you know, what kind of music is it? Top 40 stuff. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, well, it's an acoustic gig. I went, okay. Acoustic to me means kick drum, snare drum, hi-hats. Yeah. Different styles of brushes and little sticks, right. okay? Right. And he goes, you have one of those boxes, right? And I went, a box? Because you know that box. And I went, I go, dude, fuck that, no. I go, I'll come and bring a kick drum, a snare drum, a hi-hat, and I'll be dynamic. And he goes, well, no, it's an acoustic gig. I go, I'm not. I'll be dynamic. And he didn't believe me. So I showed up. He goes, okay. He goes, I'm not going to you know, pay you if it's – he shows up. He's like – even though the first song, he's like, well, how'd you what do is, that? Yeah, how'd you do? I go, well, because I'm playing to you. I'm playing to you. I'm playing the dynamics that you're giving me. I'm not going to sit back there and, you know, wail when you're doing – Just clowns never let la- yeah, – yeah, say it. Just because it's a drum set doesn't mean it has to be overplayed, overplayed and loud. And I think that's happened in the church community. I hate to say this with the freaking, and I know sanctuaries are a big place, but everybody has a freaking germ shield and stuff. I subbed at a couple churches up there, and I go, I can't do it. I can't hear anybody. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I need yeah. it. So they would take it down. They go, okay, but you know, if yeah. I go, I go, let's rehearse because we always rehearsed before. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, you could, yeah, well, because I'm listening to you guys. What a concept. What 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 happened to to? I think there was a time when when musicians they listened so much and they kind of dictated the, a feel. Or the, they listened to the artist. What happened to where it's changed all around to where? You know what I'm saying? I wonder what it is about people being able to play. People not having the ability to play quiet. Um, and I was I was a I was bad at that when I first started. Even in my club days and stuff, or even when I first got to give a faith, I was, I didn't know what dynamics was. I'm playing as hard as I can. What do you mean? I mean, I think we all go through it. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. But also, it's it's a couple different things. I think that um, everybody overplays at some point in their life, and that's just about learning the instrument. That being said, when I first started checking your playing out, when I after I met you and and uh people man trey he hits those drums so hard man he's such a loud player yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. just really powerful sorry yeah. no it was all from a positive thing and that was one of the things that i always tell people it's like when i moved down from columbus uh my sticks got bigger drums cymbals everything got bigger i was playing a lot of people wanted to hear the drums it wasn't you weren't playing small clubs you weren't trying to balance things out um they wanted stadium Sounds, no matter where you were playing, even if it was in a club, they wanted you to hit, and so that was unique to this new environment I was living in, and uh, and you were one of the guys that was doing a lot of that, and people were people were like, man, check him out. Wait, he's playing with Faith Hill, and I'm thinking, this female, pretty female artist, and you're, bam, bam, just it was you know, rock and roll, full yeah, out rock, yeah, 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 it really was, and I was like, oh, that's cool, that's great. The other side, uh, as far as dynamics, is I'm just wondering if because of monitors and in-ear monitors, because I play louder when I use in-ear monitors. Me too. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I can control the volume of my drums. Of your voice. <laughs> voice of modulation. <laughs> <laughs> Tina. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I know I play louder when I have ears. It's funny, my son came in to my practice room and said, 
Dad, why do you have a soundproof room with mic'd up drums? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you see, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, how you do know, I explain this? Yeah, yeah, how do I? <laughs> uh, and um, it has been a, a discussion where it takes a certain level of skill to play quietly. Yeah. A different set of muscles, a yeah. different um, skill set to play soft. And it's sometimes when we spend all our time playing loud. If you kind of, if you have the luxury of playing a certain gig where you can play one dynamic, or not one dynamic, but within a certain range of dynamics where it's loud and it's heavy and you're playing stadiums all the time, God bless you. That's that's right. awesome. There, I think there are probably more players out there. I'm just guessing. It's not a good or bad thing, but I think there are more players out there that have to adjust to every situation. Not all of us have the state-of-the-art in-ear mixing yeah. uh, monitor system. Yeah. And even you said, I mean, dude, you're playing with artists that I can't imagine anyone not knowing. Reba, Brooks and Dunn, Faith Hill, Jewel. Yeah, yeah. And you're going, where was this acoustic gig? Oh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. Right, okay, South Bend, Indiana. Oh, the, and doing that too. Well, dude, well, and that's and somebody posted on Facebook the other day. I love freaking posts on Facebook. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, they were talking about oh, Sib ha- uh, Sib Hashin, uh, the the original drummer for Boston, had the big fro. Mm-hmm. He works like in Connecticut. And it does something, but anyway, this, there's this big car dealer guy who has a, a, a band, and Sib plays drums in it. And somebody, and I very rarely comment, but somebody said, "Wow, that much! What what a fall from you know fall from the top!" And I went, "I go, listen, man. My name's Trey Gray. I'm nobody, but I was fortunate enough to do this. I still do this, but there's nothing more that I like than to play with my local buddies and friends. It's mm-hmm. it's fun. I go, maybe that's his fun, or maybe he does never plays anymore, and that's like his yeah. one reason to do. Or I said, yeah. but." Don't don't assume that that's a fall from anything other than no. he, and we should support that. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. shouldn't be a thing of oh, too bad, too bad. At least you got to pick up sticks that day. That's the blessing, right? How many people never get to experience that at any level? <sighs> but they do. And then, right. uh, what's the singer doing now from Boston? Oh, thank you. Well, don't. That's bad because he remember. Well, anyway, this vodka is great. Vodka, vodka, vodka. Thank you. My point is, he's living. He's love that absolute, absolute. <laughs> Actually, Stoli, if you can. No, no, Dang that's it. fine. I no, mean, no. oh, so, uh, I meant. Oh, love the Tito's. I like Tito's. Oh yeah, they're very good. So, so, but a guy up in up in Indiana busted my balls. Who I won't talk about. But I just did two more days with him before I came down here. So when I went, went out to do the Reba and B and D thing, and he goes, he texts me, dude, so proud of you to get and do that again. And that's where you should be. And I went, what are you talking about? That's where I should be. I should be wherever I want to be, number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not your call to tell me where I should be. Mm-hmm. And I just like playing music. Yeah. And in whatever degree that is, yeah. I mean, not everybody gets to do that. Right, right. And, and, and even being so – and having Huntington's, I mean – I'm going to take every freaking opportunity to hold a stick again because it's getting harder and harder to hold a stick. So I don't want to wake up and go, I didn't play at some bar because I'm too good for that. Not that I would, not that, not that would even cross my mind, but and try to, you know, trying to be cool to everybody. Fuck that. No, life's too short, man. Man, I want to get to that, but I want to make sure that people know 
the things that have led up to today and from the Faith Hill. Can we you mean our friendship? Up? Right, oh. man. That, that first meeting online. Uh, we did you... the uh, – we, we Matt and I were subbing for, uh, for Australia Down Under. Um, I well, was the Chris we Farley. Were... You were the Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> Not Come bad. on. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I did have the hair. Yeah, you did. <laughs> On a Sunday, from Gloria uh, Gabriel's, the vice, the VP of uh, Capital Records from New York, and she goes, "Is this the Trey Gray who I saw at Madison Square Garden with Faith and Tim on the Soul to Soul tour?" And I said, "Yeah, it is. You know, can you come out for a week? Uh, Jules doing a promo thing on the Tonight Show. Can you come out? Uh, the drummer's not working out." Mm. And I said, uh, "Yeah, that'd be great." Went out and. We just hit it off, and that was a great couple-year run. That was nice. nice. And then um, T-Bone passed away. The T-Bone hand, turn, T-Bone died right before the the. Uh, what was oh, his name? Uh, Tyrone Hannon, H-A-N-N-O-N, and he was uh, I don't know, he was from Detroit, but he was here. Played with Amy Grant and Shadazy, and just a great, great guy. And, um, he died a couple days before the tour rehearsals were starting for the O three O four tour. Mm-hmm. I heard ne- the next record it was called O three O four. Uh, it was that song "Intuition" was the big hit, um, and right before that, we had the summer off, and I got a call from Kix and Ronnie because I toured with them with Faith back in the day, and uh, Scotty had left uh, to pursue another gig. Scotty Hawkins, I love Scotty Hawkins, and they just had three months of shows, and I'm like, how how cool is it to double dip with kind of two big acts at once? Nobody gets to do that, right, right. so it was a blessing. You know, I just moved to Franklin and. Um, had you know a, a, a little more expensive house, mm-hmm. you know some other bills. I was like, this is great. So I go and do that, and I the, I come home, and then the week I come home is when T Bone passed, and then Jewel canceled the tour, obviously, which she should have done. And then I called Kicks and Ronnie, said, hey, I can stay aboard. So I did, and I I stayed with them from '03 until their last tour, 2010, and then from that I stayed on with Ronnie. Uh, and the cool thing about Ron with Ronnie was and has been I started doing more producing stuff like indie bands and mm-hmm. nobody big but um, I moved my dear friend from Indiana down and we opened the studio Ronnie heard some of the stuff and he loved it and he goes you guys want to record me in my barn and we're like yeah so we took all of our stuff up to his barn and we on this first solo record we got five tunes on it but Ronnie's in one and then on the second one I think Ju- Mike Cow, the a song we did with him, I, I think it was up for a Grammy, if I'm not mistaken. It was called Cost of Living. Um, so that was a really treat. But um, Ronnie now does it does it kind of weird. He does, he'll cut with like three different groups of musicians, which I love. And, so, and then he'll like whatever one he likes, he keeps it. Okay. I love that. I like think a that's Fogarty cool. thing. Well, yeah, why the not? Way used to. Or why not? Yeah. Right? Sure. I mean, because I, I like that. Not everybody is right for something. Yeah. You know, and I think some of the big guys will go, I'm not right for this, you know. Call in Matt Krause yeah. because he's going to do better than I would. And I love that, you know. And so it's been good. And then I got the call um, earlier this year when for the reunion on the ACM Awards with Kix and Ronnie, which was right. a, a blessing. That was very sweet of them to do it. And then I got a call to do the Reba B&D Vegas run. And, but then I was going to continue on with Reba, but then my health's not been good. So um, that, the, when I, the day after the last show, I, I resigned from that. Mm, okay. I wish it was more hip and cool. I wish I could say I got fired, but 
actually walked away from the gig. So, but I hope people talk about it because I think I was playing really good. I am, however, going to do. Uh, Ronnie has a TV show at, at the Music Works Factory or Music Car Works or something. That's here, Music right? Music City. It's Marathon Cars. Marathon Works. I'm doing that in a couple weeks. I'm going to come back in town. I'm going to do a show with Ronnie. But uh, Music Marathon. Music is that right? Oh gosh, it's in town though, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a cool place. I think what happened was the show was a two. First off, we did two weeks of very heavy rehearsals um, here in town. Had a week off, then we flew to uh, Vegas and did a week of very intense rehearsals in Vegas. Um, we're running Ableton. I prefer Pro Tools. Doesn't really. That's nothing. But I think my mind with the Huntington's, your mind, I can't have any stress. Right, it just shuts me down. The heat out there, you know, it's 115 every day. It's a dry heat, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, man. Uh, not you, but I. I was. It was two hours. It was an intense show. Um, and by the end of the third week of being there, I mean, my left side, I was just, I could barely hold on to a stick. So I was, and I don't think you could tell. Um, I hope not. There's videos and stuff. And it sounds great. Um, but, uh, I don't mean that arrogantly, but I mean, um, it works. but I knew it and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not be a hundred percent for somebody. Mm-hmm. Not when they're paying me money. I just won't do it. Mm-hmm. So I called, uh, well, my family first, and then I said, you know, I called Ronnie and said, I'm sorry, but I can't do December with you guys. You know, I can't do it. Um, and then I called Reba's band leader and Doug Sizemore, who's very sweet. And then I talked to Reba, and they were all really nice. And I said, I'm sorry, I just because they had a week planned for rehearsals for her stuff. So I thought, this is perfect. You can, I'm not hurting it. You know, I'm not, you're not going to miss any work. And they got tomorrow, Greg Morrow, to do it. So all's good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, 2003, you were diagnosed. 2003, you wanted to be a tree that year. What? How, what was that like? I feel, remember that? Did you, do you remember the movie? Did you? (laughs) It was like, what is it? The actors killed? 2003, you did, you portrayed (laughs) a wise man and. (laughs) You were fabulous. (laughs) Trey Gray, you are a delight. (laughs) We're getting drunk here on, on Tito's vodka. Um, oh three, oh three. As that's when you were diagnosed with Huntington's. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Dece- uh, uh. No. 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 January of oh three. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's in your family. Mm-hmm. My, my mother. I. Uh. It's a. Uh. It came from my mother. She got it from her mother. It's. Um. It's dropped genetically. My. Each of my children have a 50-50 chance of inheriting. Mm-hmm. We all have the bad genes in us, like the cancer stuff. Everything is in us. It just yeah. if it rears its ugly head. Um, yeah, my mom passed. Like I said last year, yeah. um, um, my uncle, her brother, my mom and my uncle were diagnosed in uh, 2002. My uncle died in 2007. His was fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom continued doing pretty well up until about four years ago, to where she went into assisted living. And then for the last two years, she was in a total uh, home for Huntington's. I see. She couldn't do anything. Okay. Yeah. So hit me to Huntington's and what's. And it's like it's like uh, having ALS, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's all rolled into one. Okay. It's pretty funny. It's not sexy, um, but it's and it's and it changes daily. You don't like. I feel great today, but tomorrow you don't. You just 
it, it, like it's a, it's weird. It's really it's a weird it's weird it's weird man. It's weird. It's it's a little bizarre. Um, but it's okay. I think it's my you know it's a, definitely a blessing and not a curse. You know. Was there anything on the tour recently that you if you were having a bad day, how did you handle it? Yes, uh, every day was bad. Um, I locked myself in my room every day. Hmm. Um, I didn't. Uh, that was something Ronnie did say to me. He goes, I didn't see you around, you know. And I said, yeah, I wasn't around. And it, I was having a hard time. Um, I tried to, uh, I tried, I was eating really well. We had little, like these little apartment things. And I was cooking and eating very well. I was doing uh, like a stretch routine, a little weight routine every day. Mm-hmm. I was staying off the alcohol. Um, and and nothing was helping, so I would just, I would still do that, but then I would just, you know, lay in bed or just, you know, try to just, just not focus on what was getting ready to happen, you know, and just try to make it through the day. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a bit like depression, um, which I never realized until, you know, but not in a bad way to where you want to hurt or anything like that. It's just, mm-hmm. you just wish it was over with. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's freaky, and then the shows would just... There's a, there's a, it's so funny. It was, it's, I, I wish people could get in my mind, but I think people think, well, just come on, man, just shake, you know, snap out of it. Or I can't, I wish I could snap out of it. You think I want to feel like this? Yeah. I mean, um, what are you feeling? When you play? It's, it's fuzzy. You feel fuzzy. You feel, uh, I do. Um, um, is it varied? Is it different? It's varies, yeah. but it's getting fuzzy is the best way to describe it now. And then, then I don't realize where I'm at in the song, mm-hmm. uh, which everybody goes through. I know that too. And then I look at like a cymbal stand or something and I just will fixate on it mm-hmm. for whatever reason or mm-hmm. or this coming up or that. And it's just, it's over. It's too freaking overwhelming. And then it's, stress is not good for anyone anyway. But exacerbates but, the symptoms. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. But I lost 12 pounds. <laughs> See? Man, there's always a bright side. I got a little bit of a tan. Um, <laughs> I did. There was That's a... <laughs> I also saw a... Um, <laughs> I saw a uh, uh, documentary I hadn't, uh, mm. I hadn't known about before. Mm. Um, from I didn't tell very many people about it, man. Yeah, well, uh, was there a reason why? Or um, are you trying? I mean, I, I don't think it's for people that know you. I think um, I remember once uh, we were backstage at the Mercy Lounge, and I was giving you shit for not warming up, and I don't remember what I said, but I said, "Come on, man, you could play better. You'd have more con- stick control or something like that." And you said. I just got diagnosed with Huntington's, so fuck you, man. Oh, did I really? But I said it jokingly, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, okay, it was okay. really funny. You want water? Was, uh, well, yeah, oh, yeah, thanks, man. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was funny. Uh, but um, I think that's the first. I think Sorry, maybe I'd heard, I'd heard, I'd heard that you. But at the same time, you weren't keeping it a secret. Well, no, I, I think though with the movie, uh, it don't was. Worry about that. I'm sorry. With the movie, um, uh, I was thinking just more in general. In town, I wasn't. I I did. I kept it for a while secret, only because my doctors told me to, because they at the time didn't realize, you know, it's scary. They didn't realize a lot about it. You play drums for a living. Is your boss? Are your bosses going to want to? You know. Right, right. And I remember, I was with Jewel, 
I did tell Jewel because they knew. Jewel flew me out to her house in San Diego and saw a specialist. That was very sweet of her. Wow. I got the B&D gig. And I told a couple of my dear friends, you know, but I wasn't out doing stuff for Huntington's disease or anything like that. And then um, I was in um, uh, Australia, uh, country dropping. Um, and um, Country dropping. <laughs> and um, they had a Huntington's home in Melbourne. And... Um, I contacted them and it was funny that the lady lived right downtown so she took me into their the place and um, it was very overwhelming you know and um, I'd never seen that part of it you know and um, it was like a Ronald McDonald house for Huntington's patients it was really beautiful beautiful and they their whole thing with other countries is they really take care of people how they're feeling like they want them to feel better it's not they don't get them all jacked up on medicine mm-hmm. and forget it, they just want them to have a better way of life mm-hmm. and uh it really broke my and touched me broke my heart you know and so i went back to my hotel and i called my wife at the time and um i'm sorry and i said um you know i i think i need to make a difference uh, Anywhere I can, you know, I'm doing all these big shows. At least we should, you know, get some media on some of this stuff. And um, so we called the Huntington's Disease Society of America, New York, that same day, and uh, we got in touch with them. And then my, um, I, I, when I got back to the states at the end of the year, uh, we had always done the rodeo for all the country. It's like rodeo, fans in Vegas, the the national final rodeo, and we always played at the Hilton with Brooks and Dunn. And the last show, we were back having a cocktail and. I asked to see Kicks and Run. I said, hey, you know, I've got this thing. Um, I really would like your support. They didn't um, know before. I think they knew, but nobody, you know, I'm sure people were talking about it. Uh, not like they're talking like like they talk about sure. me. That's not what I mean. But, um, um, and they just said to me, you know, we were just waiting for you to ask us, you know. And they were really nice about it. So it was good. It was a good thing. So then that's when I kind of came out about everything and started my foundation and, you know, tried to do a little bit for the awareness of it. And it's straight up, what's the name of the foundation? Uh, it's Hunting, Huntington's Disease Society. Um, I think it's, inter, are we calling it international now? Huntington's, uh, Huntington's Disease Society. Yeah. But the foundation isn't. Oh, and then, okay, so that's the new one. I also have – I go through Vanderbilt, and there's the Trey Gray Fund at Vanderbilt. So yeah. if anybody wants to donate, there's a center of excellence there. And all they do is in the memo line, if you send a check in, you just put Trey Gray Fund, and they will. And they'll send you a tax-like thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my one of my best friends who I grew up with, uh, we wanted to raise even more money. And so this year we started the Huntington's Disease Foundation. Um, and we're getting ready to do our first concert, and that'll be coming up soon. We're gonna, um, it'll be in upstate New York. We've we've got the theater all picked out. So, and then what we want to do is eventually like do two concerts a year. You know, oh, grow cool. it to where we can make a difference. You know, yeah. yeah we yeah. just want, we just want, you know, I, if you can have a, a legacy, and I don't mean that, in a, that again, not arrogantly, but I just want people to, uh, and my kids and to be taken care of you know if they need a if they need a, a bed to go to or if they can't pay for their electric bill or if they can't you know pay mm-hmm. for their meds for one week or mm-hmm. I, and i want people to die with dignity mm-hmm. a little bit of grace you know mm-hmm. i think it's lost in america somehow mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's lost on people in america mm-hmm. i think america as a whole the society you know yeah yeah we don't you know we shun the old people we right. you know you're you're a little different well let's put you over here yeah uh, let's not help over here anymore. Let's. Yeah.
because that's too bad. Wanting to put together this show. Oh, yeah, we are. We uh, So we've already... We, What's we, involved in that? And- a lot of stuff, which I had no idea. You you would think that it would be very, very easy, um, but it's not. I mean, it's it's getting sponsors. You know, we, we sponsored up with a health company from upstate New York, and we're just trying to find the right artist, and we found the venue for it. But it's ex- it's, it's an expense, you know? I mean, artists, even though they want to donate their time, they're still, ex- they're still expenses, and mm-hmm. it's still expensive to throw a concert. But... You know, if you spend a hundred thousand dollars on making something happen, you can make five hundred thousand dollars off that. It's pretty. It's interesting too to be on the different side of it. To like, is this something new for you? Or are you yeah, and my, my my buddy who runs the the foundation, which I'm part of, obviously, uh, um, you know, he talks to these like CAA and talks about you know, and he, and he calls me, and goes, okay, this is the price of this. I'm like, really? That's the price of that? I mean, it's really overwhelming because mm. I never really understood that. You know, we're on the other side of that. Yeah, right. We get right, a, right. we get our, we get on the bus. We get our per diem. Yeah. You know, in two weeks we get paid or whatever. How you know, you never see. You know, we go to a hotel. Here's your here's your key. Okay. You never know okay. the expensible catering. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a five thousand dollar catering bill. What really? So then you kind of go, oh, I see why they don't want to play that kind of venue or why we go here. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting. I, the base is on tracks. What? What base? <laughs> is it? That's a different thing. Go oh, ahead. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk about tracks. We're oh, boy. Oh, yeah. 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 Cause, well, you like your catering, right? Yeah. Right. Well, why isn't there a bass player anymore? <laughs> well, and it's just going to be me and you tonight. What? <laughs> and we, we docked your pay because yeah. we can't eat you. Know, what? Yeah. And be quiet in your hotel room because the bus driver is sleeping in the bed next to you. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's crazy. Uh, so, oh, yes. Yeah, so, a lot of stuff. It, 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 it's going to be – we'll probably do it in February, so we'll see how it goes. Um, and then from there, we'll it's, – it's been really exciting because we have gotten some really great support um, through – And let us know. We'll put oh, some will. information up yeah. on the website and, and all that good stuff. And I appreciate it, yeah. Spread absolutely. the word. Yeah, It'd absolutely. Be awesome, man. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Tracks. You guys were using Ableton. Yeah, I don't like Ableton. Not that – only because I wasn't familiar. Yeah. Um, and I'm, man, and there was the one tune, man. Always, uh, it's radio. Uh, what's it called? Uh, do, 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 radio. Um, radio Gaga. Oh yeah, John Gaga. <laughs> I wish I was killing it. It was actually, it was honestly. I, 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 I tease all my buddies like you who play these massive gigs with you know all these drum fills and shit like that. But it was a true fun gig to do these <laughs> the Reba songs because I really yeah. never really got to do. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It was mm-hmm. fun, you know. But this one fucking song, the click would always go out for like two beats, two bars, um, and apparently it had two happened beats, for a long come time. On, right? oh, I two know, bars. I know, right? <laughs> and I thought I was crazy. And then I talked to Mark Hill. He's like, "Nah, dude, it's been doing that." So we we did the buffer a little higher. But anyway, I don't know. And then with Ableton, you know, it's it's exactly like Pro Tools. You know, you're hitting the next menu item, which is the next song or whatever. I, I, I don't know. I, and th- that was another thing too. I think with the stress of all that. Like with Ronnie calling me and going, "Hey, you want to do these five songs at Marathon Music or whatever?" Marathon Music, oh, or what did I say? Or not Marathon Car Marathon? It's something mar- with cars and Marathon, I think. Okay, I don't know what the hell it is, or Auto or whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is, it's like it'll be like kind of more Stonesy, you know, just kind of, you know, not not you know not on that. Free- every every band now has a freaking Mac back there. 
it seems like, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I could be wrong. And that's totally cool. And I love, dude, I love playing to a shaker all day long. I love how my little Elise's back there. I love it, man, because then we're, it keeps us honest. But I don't know, being tied down to stuff. It's just, I remember with Jewel, that record had a lot of loops on it and stuff, and she was not used to that. She's singer songwriter. Yeah. So she true. would go, she would turn around and want to, like, you know, solo with somebody, and we'd go. How is that gig different compared to, so in between these Nashville artists? Like Faith and Brooks and Dunn. Yeah. In the middle is Jewel. I mean, I know you just said that it was crazy. She had these loops and stuff like that. It was crazy but good. What 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 were the differences? It was a huge difference. And I'll say uh, Faith was always very nice to us. Kicks and Ronnie was very nice. Reba was very nice for the short time. Um, first off, the money was three times the amount of money. Um, and it, and not that I wasn't I'm not pitching my money, but it, it was it was weird. You know, um, everything was like, we want your gear there. So we'll rocket cargo anything you want. Rocket cargo, man, that's expensive. We don't care. You want to fly home on your days off. Well, that's expensive. We don't want you to take your car to the airport. You know, get a car service. I don't mean a taxi. No, no, get a car service. Well, that's expensive. I mean, it was like, all of a sudden, it was like we were with Jewel. The five of us, we went to the radio things with her. We went, I mean, it was... And that could have been just her being nice, but all of a sudden it was what I thought as a kid what a rock star would be. Uh, but but and here's what here's the ironic thing: we weren't playing arenas and stuff. We were playing theaters and small venues, big clubs overseas, you know. Um, and it was just, the respect. It was just a different type of thing. Um, not that I, we weren't respected as side guys. It wasn't, but we were very much a part of her. Mm-hmm. Like she made us feel very much a part of that. Wow. It was it was really crazy. It was really that's really cool and depressing all at the same time. Well, yeah, and it wasn't. And I'm not saying I it wasn't I astronomical money. It wasn't. Yeah. I'm not. It, I think it's it was actually. There's a good thing today on Facebook too, and I, you probably saw it. What drummer said it? Was it Nick or somebody posted something on how people get paid? And he said it. It does suck that. You know, some of the guys who are selling out stadiums, you know, are, you know, the guys are making whatever 50 grand a year, you know, not even close to six figures, you know, they're making, you know, $20 million a night or, you know, whatever the hell. It's not like that. It is all relative, but it does make you think, you know, Nashville has always been a town and always will be a town about the artist makes all the money. I get that, you know, because there's a million of us. I hope not, because there's like 20 million drummers right behind us going, well, I'll do it cheaper anyway, or I'll do it free. That's true. it, not in just drummers, um, and it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and money's thing I've always been honest with people about, you know. And I always say this, man: if you're 18 to 80, and if you make 250 bucks a week, solid. I mean, average. You've done well as a musician because it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's weeks I've made five thousand dollars a week. There's weeks I've made five dollars a week. Mm-hmm. It all balances out, man. And save your money because as soon as you go, you know, with the whole jewel thing, T-bone passing and stuff. I mean, but you're thinking, oh man, I'm, I'll never have to do another gig. If this keeps going, you know, the good, good takes some time off, you know, great. Yeah. I put the money back and now it all changes, you know. One thing we talk about on most of the podcasts is endorsements oh, yeah. and um, advice for yeah. people looking for endorsements. Also, uh, just gives us a chance to 
let the player do a shout out if they need to, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, also uh, dive a little bit deeper into it, and maybe relationship with companies, and maybe what your story is like. I wasn't good at that game in the early in the '90s when stuff started happening for Faith. I wasn't, and, and I think I did it. My feelings would get hurt really easily, and it was before I was diagnosed. And actually, so I think some of that. Um, if I didn't get somebody on the phone, I would get like worked up, and I would just call somebody else. You know, and you can't do that. Um, and I've apologized to a lot of people, which I'm very sorry I did that. So that being said, only talk talk to people you really, really enjoy playing, you know, like sticks or uh, yes, I um, and that's what happened then at the end of my at, at the at, at this point in my career, the last few years, my buddy Todd Trent, who was with Ludwig, right? I went to Ludwig because Todd Trent was a Ludwig. I didn't everybody makes great drums. Everybody makes great. I'm sorry. There's different. There's no bad. There's no better. It's just different. It's different. The playing field is definitely more level than it was 20, 30 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. So do it for support. You do it for the love. But uh, so then Todd left and went to Ty. So I went to Ty with Todd. Mm-hmm. Well, Todd left Ty. So, and this is right for the Re- Reba Brooks thing, Brooks and Dunn thing. But I'd done a, show, a weekend with uh, Ronnie in Tulsa and in Oklahoma City. And lo and behold, Jamie Oldacre was there because him and Ronnie are best friends. And mm-hmm. so he came up and he, we double drummed on, you know, Lay Down Sally and um, Call Me the Breeze and stuff. But so Jamie was one of uh, America's first Yamaha and Dorsey back in 74. Holy moly. And he's still with that family, you know, yeah, with yeah. the family who made all that stuff. Well, they became Sakai because Yamaha went to China. So in 2009, the, the, that family of Sakai asked if they could make their own drums. Hmm. And, you know, Japanese are so thoughtful and gracious. They said, yes, you know, there's no hard feelings. So they started this company. And since Todd had left, I was not endorsing anyone. And um, so Gary, actually, I was going to take one of my old Gretsch kits out. But and then Gary said, oh, this is funny. Okay. We talk about this is so good. I love, like, you know, using a 60s bass drum and like a pearl export floor tom and whatever I feel like. I want to, you know, yeah. you know, all my sticks, I like to have a bucket full of sticks and they're all different sizes and they're all, it's whatever. I mean, I'm changing up all the time. Wow. Symbols, I'm changing up, man. And uh, and that's a that's the thing with the Huntington's. I think I, I get worried. So I put something else up thinking it's going to make me feel better. That's another story. But Gary goes, you can't play one of your raggedy ass kits like that. <laughs> you know, Reba's used to a certain thing. And I'm like, I'm like, well, but, but I want to, you know, I don't want to do that. So he was, Gary's always been so great. But I go, well, can I rent something or can I borrow something? Then? Because all my shit's mismatched. It really is. I don't really have a kit that looks like a kit. So, and as I'm speaking of this, I'm getting an email from Jamie Oldacre. Hey, uh, you know, hey, you're doing that Ronnie Dunn, Reba stuff. I talked to Japan, man. They want to send you a kit. I'm like, oh, geez, that's really nice, you know, and. No, 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 you know, just just send them an email. Yeah. And they, okay, so I did it, and I could truly say, this, they sent me two kits, actually, because I needed a rig for that and a rig to have around. They have this kit. It's called the Trilogy Kit. It's a maple poplar maple, which is hip again, with the rounded over, which I love. It's like an old vintage kit, but new. Right, right. So they were really nice, and the snare drums, they sound like old Radio King snare drums, so I got the two sizes of that. I got these kits and they sound amazing, uh, but and then uh, my buddy Kevin Rapillo signed with them, and uh, just a couple cats are signing with them now. But 
he got one of the birch kits and it's like a recording custom kit. It's beautiful. You know, it's still handmade in Osaka, handmade by the same people who made all those kits. Oh, wow. So I started doing that. Um, my, I've been doing Aquarian. I know people uh, with, with uh, for, forever, mm-hmm. the Jack DeJanet heads in the modern vantage heads. I love them. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know too many people who are using that. Yeah. I love those Jack DeJanet heads. They're killer, are, man. Wow, yeah. Um, there's something about them. Um, so Chris Brady's always been very nice. And Joe Testa, Vic Firth, you know, and, and you know, our God rest uh, Vic's soul, you know, he passed oh, away. Oh, yeah, I know, man. Was um, it Monday? Yeah, yeah. Just this Monday. Yeah. Right. So good. It's good. I've always had, but I've been a, I have been a dick and I've apologized openly to all those people because, you know me, dude, every like two years I was, cause I, I was swapping around and I shouldn't, I should never have done that. And I'm very sorry to all the people. So. That's who you're with now. But you're, you're Vic Firth, Aquarian. And Sakai. And Sakai. Yeah. Okay. Symbols? I, I play the dream symbols because uh-huh. um, they're weird and I like them. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're really, they're dreamy. But you know what sounds really good right now? And I bought one and I, the new A's are back to being like 60s and 70s A's. Yes, I did hear those. Uh, oh, it was dude. a drummer I heard um, a couple weeks ago. Actually, he was opening, it was an opening act and he was. Uh, we never did get to play because we got rained out, but I got to hear them play. Oh, don't go. And he goes, check out these cymbals, man. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, the A's, the cred. Wow, those sound great. Different, right? It's like, what did they do? What happened? They woke up again, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It's funny you say that. So I I got a, uh, so I put up my go-to, if I'm not using the dream stuff, my go-to other set is... 2002 16-inch crash on top and a 16 medium on bottom for hats. I've used those forever, for years. I've gone yes, through like four yes, sets of yes. those. And then just a 2002 22-inch ride. And then I, I got two 18-inch medium thin 18s. I haven't played 18. I've, I usually use 18s as high hats. I haven't played anything smaller than a 20 in a long time. Two 18 medium thins, A's. Yeah, I bought yeah. all those. Oh, I bought those. I had the 16s, but I bought those with some some Reba money. It's so funny. You reminded me uh, years ago. Like I had never used. I think when I was living in Columbus, I was using you know, 90s. You know, I was using a 13 inch signature Pisces, and oh yeah, and I come down and and I'm you know, oh, I get bigger hi hats, and then Trey, what? What's he using? 16? And then I talked to you, and I bought a 2002 16 inch Crash. And I had an old marching band symbol. I bet it sounded great, didn't it? The mix, the two. I ended up flipping it, and I ended up using the marching band symbol on the top. Didn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't your? No, uh, I had a I had a super cranked up Tama hi hat stand that that made it work. Which one? Do you remember uh, which hi hat stand? Iron that was? Cobra. Oh man, one of the good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the lightweight one, there's no, no, no way no. that would went. No. ask you that. I saw a picture of you playing I, I think it was probably a, uh, one of the, the club gigs recently and you were standing up mm-hmm. was that the acoustic gig is that because of Huntington's no no, is that no. Um, thing, or I love jellyfish okay cool yeah um, and I always have wanted to sing okay um, I never had the balls to do it but because I went back home and because I have 
I've done some things. I've worked for famous people. They think I'm kind of somebody, which is hilarious. So, but this guy I played with, Paul Erdman, we were playing one night, and I, I got an old uh, downbeat kit or whatever where it had the snare drum stand. I got it off of Craigslist up there. Yeah. And we were playing, and it was really, really tight. And what I was using was a little Questlove kit, you know? Right. Uh, well, just a kick drum, actually. But um, And um, I go, you know what? I'm going to... I'm. I've got this kick drum in my car. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to see if this... And it came with the old Ludwig uh, snare top and everything. It was like... And I stood up, and he looked at me, and it was easier to sing. And it was... Because you know, I'm doing all the backgrounds with Paul. Okay. Paul Urban, this guy I play with up there. He's an like, Americana guy. It was awesome. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> all of a sudden... Because we do a lot of stuff like that. It became kind of this thing... And then when we had the full band with us, now what we're doing is me and Paul are out front, and we put the band on the riser. So Paul's a guitar player, so he's the lead singer. So it's oh. me and him like this, and the bass player and a keyboard player, or whatever. Well, they'll be up behind us. Drums in the front. It's great, but it's been it's fun. And I will tell you this, it's 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 been easy on my body. It has been. Okay. Yeah, I haven't done the whole. I'm gonna do it. I want to do. Uh, the jellyfish kit where I'm really playing because I'm playing plastics or, you know, I'm not playing, mm -hmm. but I want to do, you know, I think he did 16, 12 backwards. And then he had his hats and then some like 18 inch something over here. Everything was right here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do it. I just haven't enough balls to do it yet. Nice. Yeah. That was really cool, man. Was I was like, I wonder, it's like, I did that once. How'd you uh, like it? Well, we were, we were an opening for an opening for an opening for an opening act. Uh, and it was at, um, it was downtown at the arena. Oh, nice. We had to go up there, and it was just mostly an acoustic kind of thing. It was an Alan Jackson tour. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we just did that just a couple times. Then we went to the full band thing. Nice. Later. Yeah, but uh, that was my first big arena gig, but it was standing up front in a line with everyone else yeah. and a snare drum and a ride cymbal. Nice. And it, but it was, it was brushes and, and What ride cymbal was it? It might have been my 24... 1950s, which I've got in there. It sounds incredible, right? It does. It's like, it still it's like does. butter. Still not for sale. Why not? Still not for sale. I've got a dollar on me. You know what? Next month I may call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, thank you. Thank you. It's been my privilege. It's been awesome. I appreciate you, Trey. You're awesome. You're you. a good man. I love you too. God bless you and everybody out there. Peace. Peace. So there you go, guys. There's our interview with Trey Gray. Lots of great information about uh, living in Nashville and playing with some of these great artists. Also want to thank him for talking to us about Huntington's disease and giving us more information about the Trey Gray Fund. And you can go to the website where you can find out more information about that. As always, thanks to Mike Jackson for his help getting this all out to you. And uh, you can see more of his handiwork for our new YouTube channel. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening and checking us out every week. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you around. 